0: Well, let's open God's Word together this morning, this Palm Sunday. So if you would, get a Bible and please open up to Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 92. We are going to be starting in verse 12 of Psalm 92. So as you get there, again, we're beginning to celebrate what's traditionally called Holy Week in the church calendar, Begins with Palm Sunday, and if you remember what Palm Sunday is, it commemorates Jesus arriving at last to Jerusalem. And a great crowd was there to get to meet him with palm branches in their hands. But what was wrong? They had forgotten something, they had forgotten that their king. Who they they came to celebrate with palm branches and saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, was to come that time as a humble king, a serving king to Jerusalem. And that's how he was going to bring righteousness to the city, to his people. But the people didn't remember the promises of God. And they eventually crucified him. But all this was according to the plan of God. And we are here because God's plan prevailed. But we struggle the same way, don't we? With memory. Remembering that the promises of God never fail. And we seem to have a lot of memory problems when it comes to God's word. I mean we our lives are complex these days. Can I get an amen? (laughs) We have a lot on our minds, a lot on our plates, and it seems like in order for anything else to come onto those plates, something has to go. (laughs) And what often comes in and stays in is all the stuff that puts bees in our bonnet that gets us riled up and fired up in about what's wrong in the world. Or how something isn't working like we thought it should be. And what often goes out as that stuff comes in. But it doesn't have to stay out are the promises of God. We're finite creatures, we forget. But what should we remember? Our passage today should jog, jog our memories and give us hope. So if you've gotten there to the book of Psalms, chapter 92, would you stand as we hear from God's word this morning, verses 12 through verses verse 15. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord, They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in Him. You may have a seat. What does this tell us to remember? We should remember that the righteous flourish. Now, as we look through this passage, this passage goes through four W's. And I get this from an old preacher named William J. They're right here in this text. A what, a where, a when, and a why. But before we get there, we need a definition. What is righteous? We use that term, and that term is used in the church a lot. What does it mean? Well, there's a whole scope of meaning. It shows up every book of this, book of this Bible. There is either the direct teaching about righteousness or it's implicit in what people are doing. So we need a definition if we're going to look at this passage correctly. So the one that I think covers a good base for us is this. The righteous person is someone who is declared in right standing before God through faith in Jesus Christ who lives and acts by the word of God for the glory of God. Now that's a little long so I'll repeat it again. The righteous person is someone who is declared right in right standing before God through faith in Jesus Christ who lives and acts by the word of God, for the glory of God. You might just summarize all that to say the righteous person is about God and the things of God. So that said, let's look at our first W. What is the condition of the righteous? What are they like? Well, this passage tells us that the righteous flourish like good trees, Whenever we read psalms and this is just generally we're reading songs, we're reading poetry. <laughs> for some of you, and for some of us, that's bread and butter for us. We live in a a life as art world. We think expressively, poetically, we think about things in metaphor and image, and if we could get away with it, we might even make our lives musicals as we go around. But others of us, and you know who you are, <laughs> see the words righteous, palm tree, cedar, and you think, okay, I see three objects, two of which are flora, and one of which describes a description, is a description of a person. What am I supposed to get from this? Well, let both groups listen to this. because the righteous flourish like good trees it says in verse 12 the righteous flourish like the palm tree and they grow like a cedar in Lebanon so this is describing a person so what characterizes before we get to the to the person what characterizes a good tree what's a good tree this will help us form an understanding of who the righteous are. First, a good tree, as it says, a good tree flourishes. Linda gave a great illustration of what, a, what flourishing looks like. It's health. The plant is standing up straight. It's drooping down, wilting. And in this portion of the passage, we're not told how the righteous flourish, but that they do. It's objective reality that the righteous flourish. And this is a kind of flourishing that's not once and it's over. It's not like spring lilies. This is a process that continues into the future. What does it mean to flourish? Well, we're told that the righteous flourish like the palm tree. Well, do you, what do you know about palm trees? Well, the palm tree, maybe you know this, was a great, a, a major symbol for Israel. And it was a symbol for the fertility of the land that they lived in. If palms were growing, there was life. And date palms, as I mentioned earlier, are abundant in Israel. They produce food. And palm trees are considered graceful trees. They can withstand lots of strong winds and tough conditions. I think most of us, we think palm trees, we don't think Israel. We think Bahamas. But... If we think Israel, we might also think desert climate. So when we think of palm trees, we think of oases. Where there's water, where there's flourishing, where there's life. So with all that, flourishing of the righteous, given, that, de- given our definition, it means that the righteous benefit from trusting God by faith in Jesus Christ. They are blessed by living by the Word of God for the glory of God. And as they flourish, they are reflecting who God is in their lives. A good tree flourishes. Another part of flourishing is, secondly, that a good tree grows. Because it says in the next line of the, of the psalm, the righteous grow like a cedar of Lebanon. And what do, you, what do we know about cedars? Well, if you've seen a cedar, they're incredible trees. They grow to be huge oftentimes. Their roots often grow deep. They are strong. They are trees built for endurance. And they are greatly valued. I mean, Lebanese cedar was shipped and prized by kings all over the known world in, the ancient, in ancient times in ancient Israel. I mean, the temple itself was paneled with cedar. But the point here is that they grow. We are told that the righteous grow like that. And this should encourage us, any of us who wonder if God has been negligent in his promise to sanctify us who believe his son. God's not done with us. He hasn't given up on us. And just in case any of you who think that you have arrived and God is finished with you, you need to look at scripture once again. And see that on this side of the he- side of heaven, not one of God's children gets out of the process of lifetime sanctification. Where we're not only declared righteous, we are actually made righteous. We actually grow in righteousness. And if you are discouraged today by your continued fight with sins and struggling to stay focused on Jesus, be reminded by this psalm that God is growing his righteous people like the cedar they don't just shoot up overnight they grow steadily but they continue to grow the cedar may not start off as a terribly unique tree but it grows over the years and eventually becomes one of the greatest trees on the planet we should remember that the righteous flourish But where do they flourish? The location of the righteous is very, very important. Where do the righteous flourish? Secondly, this is our where. The righteous flourish in the Lord. Look at verse 13 with me. They are planted, that's the righteous are planted, in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. This is probably the thing. That distinguishes a righteous person from any other person on earth. There's an expression in real estate and property management. You know what it is? There are three things that matter in property. Location, location, location. Where are the righteous found? They are found, this verse says, in God's house. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. The righteous are not just found anywhere. They are found with God, in God's presence. I mean, that was the purpose of the ancient temple in Israel. It was, the place to, it was to be the place where God set his name, it says in the scriptures, where people would come to worship him and be in his presence. And in fact, God said that worshiping anywhere else at that time was considered idolatry an unrighteousness. Today, because of Jesus, anyone who worships the Father in spirit and in truth, wherever we are, is righteous. But, if we give any part of our lives to anyone or anything but the Lord Jesus Christ, in spirit and in truth... That's considered unrighteousness. So what does this mean? What does this mean? They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. It means <laughs> that justice in this passage does not refer to literal trees. So the temple here does not refer to necessarily a physical place in ancient Israel. The ancient temple in Israel had no living trees in it. But listen to the book of Revelation. And it helps us understand what he means here. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22 says this And I, the Apostle John who wrote it, saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. That's God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, did you hear that? God is the temple, Jesus Christ is the temple. The righteous are not flourishing and growing in a building necessarily. They are found in Christ. So, how did they get there? How do we get there? Well, the righteous must be planted there. Look at what it says it says, they are planted in the house of the Lord. It's not by accident that trees show up in the house of the Lord. In order for a tree to be in the house of the Lord, in order for a person to flourish and grow in God's presence, he must be he or she must be planted in God's presence. By who? Well, this passage doesn't necessarily say, but the rest of scripture says who it's not. It's not us. We can't plant ourselves in God's house. We can't save ourselves by our own spiritual bootstraps. That's what, that's what religion, worldly religion, tells every single human being, is that if you do enough good things according to your definition of good and you're sincere enough about it, you can get to the presence of God. And God says, nope. What does he say instead? Because he not only says it's not us who get there, who get ourselves there, he does say, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He gave the means. He provided the way. Who can plant us in the house of the Lord? The gardener the owner of the house. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's God who plants the righteous. Yes, he tells us, Repent and believe the gospel. That's the good news of Christ's sacrificial death to take away sins and his resurrection to declare people righteous, to make people alive, that it is possible to be saved by faith in him. But we didn't make this plan up. We are recipients of grace, not its manufacturers. So the question for you today is, have you been planted in God's house? Has he rescued you from your sins? Has he brought you into his courts so that you can flourish and grow? If not, repent and believe the gospel. But if so, remember where you have been brought and where you will continue to remain. The righteous flourish in the Lord. You know this theme is all over Scripture, and it's all over Psalms. And Psalm 23, arguably the most famous Psalm, ends with this really encouraging verse for the righteous, where it says, "And you probably you may know it by memory: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." We should remember that the righteous flourish like good trees in the Lord. And we should remember, this is the when, we should remember that the righteous flourish forever. Look at verse 14. They, the righteous, still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. So what is the what characterizes the righteous? What is their timeline? First, they bear fruit long term. They still bear fruit in old age. Going back to the date palm of Israel, date palms produce fruit the most not when they're young, but between ages 30 and 100. God says that the righteous are similar. The Christian life is not just about being born again. That's huge. No other part of the life is possible without being born again. You must be born again, Jesus Christ says. You must be converted. You must believe Him and trust Him and have your sins taken away. But that starts things, that's not where things end. So if you are one who professes trust in Christ, this is what we need to do. We need to evaluate the state of our life by the fruit. Or better, have a brother or sister speak into your life. Am I bearing fruit? Is it a life generally marked by love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Those aren't the only fruit that the scripture mentions as the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but if the others are there, these will be there too. Are you growing in love and desire to know God and know His Word? Do you enjoy talking with God, your Heavenly Father, in prayer? Even when you might be painfully self conscious about how feeble your words sound, are you growing in a desire to bless, build up, encourage others? Are you growing in a desire to give the gospel to the lost? Are you growing in awareness of your own sin? but also in an awareness of a Holy Spirit-empowered strength to put that sin to death and walk in the newness of life that Christ has purchased for you. The scripture says again in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul encouraging the church, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up now for some of you it's been a long stretch of seeming fruitlessness and you're wondering when that season will end and frankly scripture tells us and I so let's not be let's not mince words here That that season might end and you might reap when we come into the Lord's presence after our bodies die here. But remember this, in due season we will reap. And I especially want to encourage those of us who consider ourselves older, or you might use the word seasoned, Remember the promise of God. He is not done with you. And he still intends to bear fruit through you. The righteous bear fruit long term because, secondly, they have eternal life. They still bear fruit in old age, the scripture says. They are ever full of sap and green. Well, I don't feel that way, Aaron. It's true. It's objective reality. Who are you to answer back to scripture? This life is not all that there is for Christians. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, what? What? Has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You have been given eternal life through faith in Jesus. You have. It's objective reality. You are full of sap and green, figuratively speaking. And the righteous person, someone who is declared in right standing before God through faith in Jesus Christ, who lives and acts by the word of God for the glory of God, is ever full of sap and green. One of the benefits of this is that living trees weather storms far better than dead ones. And you need only ask your neighbor, or maybe maybe it was you who lost limbs or entire trees this past fall or winter. If a living tree loses its limbs, it can still go. It can still keep going. They still grow. And they grow long term. I learned that one of the oldest trees in Nebraska, over in, I I forgive if I'm not pronouncing this right, Ponca State, Poncha State Park, one of the trees is burr oak there, and it's 375 years old. To give you some perspective, if you've done some history in, in high school, is that tree was 160 years old when the Lewis and Clark expedition went through here. It's still growing. Now, here's a picture of one of the oldest tr- cedars in Lebanon. This one might be the oldest. Can you guess how old this tree is? more more not that long okay this tree is 3,300 years old for perspective that's almost 1,300 years before the Son of God came to the earth this tree was around even before King David was born so when God says the righteous grow like a cedar of Lebanon how much more than you who are called a righteous child of God shall live forever you have a hope and a future that will not be cut off so do not waste the time That you have been given to live and act by the word of God for the glory of God. We should remember that the righteous flourish. The righteous flourish like good trees, that's the what. They flourish in the Lord, that's the where. They flourish forever, that's the when. But the righteous do not exist, they do not flourish just because. Everything has a purpose in God's world. So that brings us to why. Why do the righteous flourish? The righteous flourish for God's righteousness. And in case those of you who are keeping notes, you need to write point number four. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Why? Verse 15. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. What do the righteous proclaim about God? In their flourishing, in their growing, in their being in the house of the Lord, in their bearing fruit to old age. They declare that the Lord is upright and evil free. The Lord is upright, it says in verse 15, and there is no unrighteousness in him. We who profess faith in Jesus Christ are given a testimony. We are given something to declare. And what are we given to declare? This passage is pro- this gives us this promise and is calling us to remember this that we are to declare this forever. What is it? It's to declare God. It's to display God. It's to show the world and to proclaim to one another and to proclaim to the heavenly host to declare to God himself that God is upright and there is no unrighteousness in him all of our flourishing, all of our salvation in the house of God, all of our spiritual growth, all of our fruit bearing, all of our weathering, the storms and ages of life is not to display us. It's to display God. You are declared righteous by faith in Jesus to display God. And is that not right? For who are we? We are creatures, finite. When I get buried, it's likely that not even 1% of the world will know my name. And that's okay. But I want 100% of the world to know His name. Because He is worthy. He alone is creator and redeemer and is upright. He alone has righteousness within himself. Our righteousness doesn't come from us. It must be given to us. He alone has done nothing wrong, ever. He has never approved of evil. He has certainly allowed it. He has certainly used it. But always for righteous purposes. And as he is upright and evil-free, secondly, the Lord is foundation and refuge. We are to declare, he is my rock. Good trees, long-lasting trees, don't make it very long if they're growing on the side of a sandy bank. They perish when the sand gives way. But those who grow on good soil over a firm foundation... They're going to make it. Who is our rock? Who is our cornerstone? Who is our refuge? The Lord is our rock. There is no foundation as secure as the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says that the rock that has, been, that has, that has provided for God's people continually from the beginning is Christ. And that's to be what is on our lips, what we tell people, what we speak truth to our neighbor, what we encourage one another with, will we pray back to God. It's to be springing from our very renewed, redeemed beings which we are in Christ. The Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. We are going to face situations, church. And we are going to look out on the world. And we're going to see what he says up in verse 7 of this psalm. We're going to see the wicked sprout like grass. Shoot up real quick. We're going to see evildoers flourish. And we're going to be tempted to think that God has failed. And that God's not going to make things right. But what does this psalm say? It says, you, O Lord, are on high forever. Your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But the righteous are planted in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. The wicked are like grass, here today, gone tomorrow. But the righteous reflect their God, who remains, like his word, forever. They remain forever because they are in him, founded on him who is the rock. We should remember that the righteous flourish, and they flourish for God's righteousness. So has your memory failed you? Have you remembered all that is wrong with the world at the expense of all that is true with the righteous? All that is true for the righteous? All that is true about God? We should remember that the righteous flourish. Let us fill our minds with these things. And as we close, this passage we've been looking at this morning cannot be true for us unless it is true for God first. See, what the people should have been looking for on Palm Sunday, but what we are given by grace to see today is that Jesus Himself is the ultimate fulfillment of this promise. Do you see that? Even in His suffering, He is as the palm tree, as the cedar of Lebanon. He is planted in the house of the Lord. He is the house of the Lord. He is ever bearing fruit, bringing many sons and daughters to glory. He is ever alive, being raised from the dead. He is upright. He is the rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And because he is We who believe in him can trust his promise. So remember his promise today, church. Remember that the righteous flourish.